live in a hurting world. We all receive hurt, we inflict it. Hurt is natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. Um, out here this morning, waiting for the sun to come up. What a great time to talk about forgiveness. It's a reminder of that wonderful statement in the Bible that says God's mercies are new every morning. I'm kind of glad it doesn't say His justice is new every morning. His justice is wonderful, but mercy, very tied in the miracle of forgiveness, of a new creation, of a new day, a new possibility. Oh, Sadie, uh, that's what's new today. I have no biscuits for you today, guys. You gotta go away. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and just talking about what a great gift forgiveness is and mentioning Ev Worthington has that uh, workbook where you can work through this process because we're really seeking to become forgiving people. I hope that for all of you is a great power in forgiveness. And my friend was, there was an area in his life where he's aware that there's kind of unforgiveness issues, but he was saying, you know what? I, I've tried to talk about it with these people before. I don't think it would do any good right now to raise these issues again. And I realized I needed to explain something to him and to all of you. There's a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that happens inside me. It's something that I offer to another person freely as a gift, quite independently of them. Um, reconciliation happens between two people. And it is something that must be earned. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. The, the key issue right now is, is there unforgiveness inside me? And if there is unforgiveness inside me, then I will need to work on the process of forgiving. So we set aside the question of, will I ever approach this other person? I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, one of the things that my friend was saying was, if I go to this other person and say, I forgive you, they're going to think I'm an arrogant person. He used another P word rather than person, but that's the idea. They're going to think that I'm arrogant because they think that I've done something wrong and that they need to forgive me. So there are complexities around there. Rarely is it altogether clear. It does not require precise agreement even for there to be reconciliation. A, a fair amount, but it doesn't have to be exact. But we put that issue on the shelf right now and ask the question, is there unforgiveness inside me? Is there any ill will? At the heart of forgiveness is the replacing of ill will towards the other person. Malice, particularly characterized by rumination, bad thoughts, and wanting to say bad things. The replacing of that with goodwill. And Ev Worthington talks about two different kinds of forgiveness. Um, one of them is forgiveness as a decision. Both of these are important. He writes, sometimes we make a decision, we will forgive. Friend might say, I forgot your birthday. Can you forgive me? Without hesitation, we might say, of course. We might be hurt and disappointed. We're quick to assure the friend. We have canceled the debt. Don't intend to hold the mistake against the friend. This is decisional forgiveness. In decisional forgiveness, I agree to control to not engage in negative behavior towards the other person. I won't hurt them. I will not gossip about them. A little more difficulty, I also make the decision that I will not indulge in ruminating about them. And the more that we go along on the journey of forgiveness, the quicker we're able, I'm able to spot when that spiral brooding kind of thought comes in. Uh, he goes on, we may grant decisional forgiveness, hoping it will change our behavior. But the type of forgiveness that changes the heart is emotional forgiveness. And he says that is the emotional juxtaposition of positive emotions like empathy, sympathy, compassion, agape love. 
against the hot emotions of anger or hurt that we experience when there's a transgression or the unforgiveness that follows where there's a lot of ruminating about the other person. The idea here is now that unforgiveness gets inside my body so that when I see that person's name or face or I hear their voice, there are neurotransmitters, there are neurochemicals, there's muscle tension, there are thoughts that are automatically inside me, even if I don't want them there. Emotional forgiveness is when I come to the place where when I see that name, hear that voice, um, positive emotions like compassion, sympathy, empathy, agape love, wanting that other person to do well, have taken the place of those negative, ruminating, resentful emotions just at the bodily level. Uh, he goes on to say this, Instead of wishing to avoid or seek revenge against the transgressor, the forgiver is left with feelings of goodwill. That's emotional forgiveness. It does not mean that hurtful memories are uh, wiped out. We never forget serious hurts or offenses, but we remember them differently after we forgive. That's why we're talking about how to recall the hurt. He says, now you can ship it away by replacing a little unforgiveness with a little forgiveness and hundreds of experiences, or you can whack unforgiveness with a giant dose of empathy, sympathy, compassion, or love, and simply overwhelm it. One woman I know responds to perceived slights by sending the transgressor a love bomb. So you might think about a love bomb. Um, forgiving emotions will motivate attempts at reconciliation if... The other person is open to it, and trust can be reestablished. Um, reconciliation is needed when trust has been violated, and I want to reestablish a relationship with the other person. Now, again, I want to clarify the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation, particularly so that you will pursue forgiveness, even if you're not sure that reconciliation would ever be possible. Um, the Bible has a very strong bias towards reconciliation. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there and go and be reconciled. So the bias is to seek reconciliation. Might not be possible, but of course, until I have forgiven the other person, I'm not going to be in a good place to perceive is reconciliation possible. If I haven't forgiven them, I don't want to reconcile. And I want to think that they're not the kind of person that I could reconcile with. But I did want to walk through, from a scriptural perspective, a story where I believe there was forgiveness, but that there could not be reconciliation. And if you're a Bible person, you might know about this. It involves David, who became King David, and the guy who was king before him, Saul. And Saul was real jealous of David's popularity and tormented uh, to the point where he became murderously angry at David. And one day he picks up a spear and tries to pin David to the wall, kill him with a spear. That doesn't work. So he tries a series of other ways to get David killed. He sends him to fight against the Philistines, hope the Philistines will kill him. That doesn't work. He tries to get Jonathan, his own son who loved David, and his attendants to kill David. That doesn't work. He throws another spear at David. That doesn't work. Um, he sends a group of people to David's house to kill him there, but David isn't there. That doesn't work. He goes to a place called Keilah, tries to kill him there. That doesn't work. David actually could have heard Saul at that spot and tell Saul that. Um, and then he goes to another place 
uh, the desert of zip and tries to kill him, one for the zipper, and that doesn't work either. Now, uh, in between those moments are other moments where Saul feels really badly about what he's doing. So at one point when Jonathan says, David loves you, Saul says, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never try to do this again. But then he gets mad, tries to kill David again. And uh, when David was able to harm Saul, but he doesn't, uh, he expresses care for Saul. Saul says, oh, I'm so sorry. But then it happens another time. So this is seven times by my count, seven times that Saul has tried to kill David. On the seventh time, we're told this, David crossed over to the other side, stood on top of the hill, some distance away from Saul. There was a wide space between them. And then David calls out, you know, I could have hurt you, but I didn't do it. Saul recognized David's voice. Is that your voice, David, my son? Yes, my Lord, it is. And then Saul says, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and been terribly wrong. And then the text goes on. But David thought to himself, one of these days, I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best I can do is to escape. So Saul says, uh, I'm so sorry, my son's very strong emotional plea, come back home. It was Saul sincere in that moment? Yeah, I think he probably was. But it was very clear that Saul was in no position to be able to control his behavior. So if someone has tried to kill you seven times, I would recommend that you don't pursue reconciliation with them. And there may be other reasons. It may be impossible because the other person is no longer alive but there's still unforgiveness in you and you need to work to pursue decisional and emotional forgiveness. It may be that the other person is an abuser or is dangerous in some way or would try to weaponize or use what you might say or do to hurt you further in the future. There's a deep instability. Again, the bias is to move towards reconciliation. You don't have to side that today. We'll talk more about reconciliation in the days to come. The main thing I want to say today is that even if reconciliation is impossible, I believe forgiveness is always on the table. It is based on the mercy of God who forgives us, and His mercies are new every morning. God, so um, keep going on the forgiveness journey, and I'll talk to you again next time. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Joining us, at Become New, we want to grow spiritually one day at a time, but it's tough to do that alone. So we're offering a little more support for anyone who would like to work on putting the content into practice. You can sign up to receive a text at the end of each week in this series, asking if you completed the here's how portion for that week. If you want, you can reply to the text and let us know how it went, or if you need prayer in taking those action steps. To sign up for the end of week reminder, just text the word MORE to 855-888-0444, and we'll put you on the list. As always, to receive the emails or video links by text, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. If you're already signed up for the emails but aren't getting them, Try checking your spam folder, or better yet, you can add us to your contact list. Our email address is connect at becomenew.com. If you need prayer, we're here for you. 
Text your specific prayer request to 855-888-0444. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray specifically over every person who sends a text in. We'll catch you next time.